Hey, everybody. Welcome to a very special Swapcast, how I found freedom in an unfree holiday season. I'm Monica Perez, joined by my Propaganda Report co-host Brad Binkley and our friends in Liberty, Karen Bird of the Timeline Earth podcast and Jake Lindsay, a.k.a. Childerberg of yep. Tasting Anarchy and Californian in Exile podcast. Welcome, guys. Thank Thanks you for having us. Thank yeah. you for having us. Feels good. It's our pleasure, I have to say, because it is a holiday and I will obviously use any excuse holiday or not to have a cocktail. Mm-hmm. I appreciated that Bird turned me on to the Coquito, possibly the most fattening thing I've ever drunk. In my time. <laughs> yeah, yes. It's so delicious, though. It is dangerous. It's dangerously mm-hmm. good. Well, uh, what's in a Coquito? Yeah. Monica, you put one together. I don't have it in front of me. It is the dumbest recipe I've ever seen. It is a can of evaporated <laughs> milk and a can of condensed milk, which I thought yes. was the same thing. Yeah. It's a can of Coco Lopez cream of coconut and a can of coconut milk also thought they were the same thing. So it's four of the most caloric things. I think it is actually more caloric than butter. I, when I looked at it, I was like, oh, I hope so. Calories an ounce. <laughs> so nice. and then, a lot of energy. Rum. Yes, a lot of energy. I'm definitely going to be able to do a yeah. triathlon. The, the rum is really where the energy is locked in. That's the locus of the I, energy. Normally, I would double the amount of rum. But yes. Maybe triple uh, even, be, Monica. Uh, Maybe you could even triple it. Don't, don't limit yourself. Don't buy yeah. yourself in. I might just drink rum out of the empty can of cocoa. You know what? Pens. Forget the condensed idea. milk. Forget the coconuts. Just bring that rum over. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I so thought I rum was what's inside of coconuts. Like if you're stuck on an island, you find coconuts, I, you have I wish. rum. God, yeah, I wish. Water. <laughs> so... Uh, hopefully everybody took the advice and have, has has one of these delicious cocktails in front of them. But let's find out what you guys have been up to. So let's start with Karin Bird. Like, uh, I'm looking for Friends Against Government, and it seems to have disappeared. Uh, it has indeed disappeared. We uh, Okay, so uh, after we wrapped up on our Halloween special, which we do every year back in, uh, drops on October 31st. So I guess since November 1st, uh, oh, you know, we got a letter in the mail from the union that runs our podcast. They were very upset with the fact that we've been saying so many vulgarities and releasing too many bonus episodes. So, uh, this all led to, you know, a conflict with the union. They started protesting us. They started putting scab rats outside of our studio. It, it led to some conflict. Uh, Carr and I got into some physical fist fights with some of the people. Our other co-host, Aaron, got pinged in the back of the head with a brick. We had to rescue him and get him into a car. And uh, the day that we were recording, the studio was, well, let's just say burned down by the union. It was was ransacked. And so our good friend who's here with us, Jacob, took us in on Thanksgiving. (laughs) That's right. Uh, We had a delicious Thanksgiving meal with him. And uh, ever since then, we've been, you know, bumbling around the United States looking for a a studio to, uh, you know, make our, our, our place in. And I think we've settled on a beautiful place up in the Bronx. Uh, a great um, crack. I mean, uh, like a nice studio. Um, and so that's what's been up with us so far. Uh, we've had so, to we've been fleeing. Yes. And so that is the story of how Friends Against Government morphed into Timeline Earth. It was more of an escape story than it was any pre-planned sort of. Uh, that's right. Strategic yes. Is this a true story that I'm yeah, hearing right now? Uh, it is. Absolutely it is. 100% as, true. It is as true as the recording button is on. Yes. Yes. Wow. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes. That's There's extraordinary. A podcasting union. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, there's we, many well, podcasts. We brought, well, we brought we decided to bring a third guy on, and it turns out that guy uh, convinced us to unionize. He was luring us in. Yeah. With, uh, uh, visions of benefits and and a pension fund. And, yeah. Uh, <laughs> It ended up just turning everyone against us, unfortunately. Yep, it did. It's terrible. I didn't yeah. know. I didn't realize podcasting was so dangerous. Now I'm neither starting to get a little worried. Yeah, I mean, neither did we. Jeez, we didn't know what we well, were getting into. Pack house in the Bronx. I mean, what? Yeah. yeah, I don't think it's the union that's the problem. Well, now it's not. Well, now we have no. different problems. It's just <laughs> I'm, de- I'm water developing. In the bag, Monica, it goes one way and then it goes the other. It's, it's yeah, it's just danger all around, really. Yeah, we uh, it's, a brick it's kind of to the back of the head. Was yeah. that part of the story that I heard? Yeah, a, b- a brick to the. In fact, we have it on board, audio. I'm sure. Yeah. Well, he did go out. Listen, we we told him, hey, why don't you go and talk to them since you're one of the union members and and maybe you know you can smooth things over. And they bricked him, so we had to we had to save I him and had to yeah, get out of there. And Jake, Studios burnt. Jake rescued you. Well, he let, he took us in. Certainly, <laughs> uh, I noticed he uh, he didn't give us a, a phone call or anything other than you know beforehand. But, but but yeah, when we called on him to get us, you know, some help, he was like, "Yeah, I got the Childerberg bunker, as he does, which That's is a right. beautiful place, Jacob. Really wonderful place. <laughs> Great spot." Yeah, 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 yeah. It's yeah, amateur podcasting leads to some really interesting scenarios. <laughs> was it burned down bro. by the union members? Uh, we suspect that it was burned down not only by one of the union members, but that several of them have identified themselves on the internet to us. So it, it was. A, we this believe it was a, a true story. It's, 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 it's as it's as it is as true as the rest of the podcast is, Monica. It is a <laughs> okay. true story. <laughs> it couldn't even be. I mean, it could maybe be true in a world where you guys are actually in the same state well but, now we are now, now we, we are. are and so yeah, now it's we are. true we're in the bronx yeah, we're in the bronx right now is in the bronx well well we had to go from pennsylvania which is where that was to childerberg bunker uh into uh the bronx yeah yes <sighs> you know it's very hard what a good travel yes. i tried to listen Us to too, the Monica, halloween thing me. yeah yeah I think we've decided that with Timeline Earth, we're going to lean into the inside joke. I tweeted this today. I'm, the car has my car agreed with me, and I'm really happy about that. We're just, I think what we're going to do is we're going to steer the podcast to a point where it's almost entirely inside jokes so that it's completely unapproachable from the outside. I think you've achieved that already. Yeah, no we're trying girl. to. No new listeners is our heart. No new listeners. I feel uh, like it's no girls allowed also. Like, oh, they're in the tree again. Well. Shit. Maybe well, if we I have... smoke pot, they'll let me in. I can roll a joint. <laughs> well, can you? Is that true? Can I roll a joint? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Monica's right. in. Yeah. I mean, she's, I she's got a leg up on me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Me too. I, I can't do it either. I was always too yeah. lazy. I, I was just like, well, just well, find something to put it in. No. Don't worry about rolling. Right. Yeah. This was my thing. If I had papers and could roll a joint, I never mm. needed to have any pot. No, that's a good point. So it was a function. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah. Yes. Yeah, that is, that's fair. That's very, that's very good. clever. Yeah. Mm. Monica's thinking. Yeah. Wow. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That New York <laughs> noggin. So, Childerberg, tell us, tell us your scene. You've got two podcasts working, and Childerberg is still on, and I am really looking forward to it. So, yeah. Uh, well, I'm working on the California Next Out podcast. I still haven't figured out exactly what I want to do with that, but my wife told me, she was tired of me talking about California all the time and to go talk on a podcast about it. Uh, but that's where I'm from, California originally. Now I'm down here in Texas where I run Childerberg. We did two successful ones despite the state's attempt to shut us down on the second one. Uh, or actually it wasn't even really the state. I don't think Texas cares, but uh, Tarrant County or no, not Tarrant County, uh, whatever county Austin's in. 
was not uh, Travis. Travis, that's right, Travis County. Yeah, they they were not pleased with any gatherings. So we end up in the county next door near uh, Marble Falls at Mule Shoe Bend Recreational Area where we enjoyed it so much. We're going to do Childerberg 3 there. Um, still working on some of the details, but we're going to have some uh, comedy guests and some music this year. And uh, it's going to it's going to be fun. Uh, do you have dates? It's the 24th of May. Is that right? No, no, no. Th- uh, it is. I wrote it down and I already have windows above my uh, okay. my Jacob writing down. My part now, giving out incorrect <laughs> dates or phone calls. <laughs> my part. And then Jacob comes in to save the dates. So yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's uh, it's, it's uh, the 20. So it's May 20. Uh, 9th through 31st. That's a, oh, it's a holiday weekend. Memorial Day. Yeah. Memorial Day. Yep. And so okay, hopefully awesome. everybody had a really good time last year. Car, you were there. Uh, oh, Bird, yeah, you weren't, weren't able to make it the, with the lockdowns, but <laughs> yeah, uh, so, hopefully yeah. three. Hopefully three will. Hey, by be. the way, yeah. did you settle on the name, Childerberg 3? But what are we doing as far as the, 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 the Russian three? collusion? So what it'll is, be. Oh, really? It'll be three. Which is three Russian oh, for three. What, what is, did you say? Erection collusion? Russian collusion. Well, that's actually oh pretty God. good. That, 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 that must be what it is. Binkley, that happens <laughs> at the event. It's a veteran of war. Wow, wow, right. Good. Well, I'll, you know, I'll be there then if that's the okay. case. <laughs> Are you the first California to Texas transplant? Did Joe Rogan follow you? <laughs> yeah. I mean, he must have followed like half the people out here from California. So, yeah, yeah they've been California. I, I felt right at home when I got here. Yeah. Wow. That's so weak. We were going to move yeah. to Austin, but now we can't. Yeah, it's, I feel it's like not it's not cool it's, anymore. It's <laughs> nice being from a state that nobody else is really from because nobody like I get totally let off the hook. Like whenever I move somewhere, like they're like, what are you doing here? And I'm like, I'm from North Carolina. They're like, nah, whatever. Never mind. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you were well, you don't bring anything here. really strongly one way or the other to the table. So we don't really yeah. care. Before I lived here, Carr and I actually lived pretty close to each other. Yeah, yeah. Um, in uh, I lived in Virginia Beach. He lived in uh, Outer Banks. Uh, I lived in Wilmington for a brief period of time, but Raleigh, oh. I mean, you know. Oh, okay, Raleigh, yeah. So was Austin still weird or what? Uh, Rollo, people. yeah, I mean, it's it's an interesting... We Rollo and I were down there uh, for the Bitcoins and Gun conference a couple of weeks. Well, I guess it was a couple of months ago at this point. Like, yeah. time time is all distorted now. Yeah, but, it really uh, is. Time. Uh, yeah. But we went down to uh, a barbecue joint downtown and... We were, you know, walking, not wearing our masks because, like, you don't really have to wear a mask around here. I, I, if you go to the grocery store or inside something, you know, they they might make you put it on. That's but. how you get a brick to the back of the head, right there. Mm-hmm. That yeah. kind of behavior. Mm-hmm. California. Well, right. I mean, I had it in my I had it in my pocket. Actually, even when I was in California uh, a couple of weeks ago, the part of California I'm from, there's no masks. No, like it's Northern California, so it's extremely oh, yeah. rural. I, I I was not at I I'd only put the masks on when somebody asked me and I was at Rayleigh's uh in my my hometown Rayleigh's which is their grocery store I went in the only person who asked me to put a, a mask on was the butcher and it was only when I went up to the butcher counter and then he was like I don't care if you take it off later so and nobody else was wearing masks in the store it was and we went to my dad and I went to the pizza joint slash uh bar I guess and didn't wear masks the entire time there either. Like when we came in, a couple of people like looked at us, but they were all not wearing masks. And so we were like, well, we just won't put them on either. Uh, See, the but- problem here is that they're everybody's true believers. Like down in yeah. L.A., they're just true believers. So you can't. Wait, are you, you in know, L.A. right now? Stand. I'm in L.A. I moved yeah. to L.A. When, oh, when was that? 
just re- like this year. My oh, husband. Wow. Man. I don't think I, I know. It's just if you're ever moving again, we have a great place in the Bronx if you want to come and join us. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. Sort of, my mother lives in Rockland County. Like I oh. have to go there. I'm yeah. from Brooklyn. Maybe you should visit us in the in the building. In I'll the burned out studio crack yeah. house in the Bronx. <laughs> it's really yes. for women. Yes. Yes. That's a dangerous place. Yes. To yes. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> she's in she's in again she's in twice <laughs> write that down car write that yeah, down yeah, I got <laughs> i'll do it we're just gonna have to get we're gonna have to send you a waiver and if we can just get two copies sent back yes uh, yes signed, yes uh, i'm definitely you, taking my life in my hands. i used to have to bra- bail my brother out of jail in the bronx quite often <laughs> no so. really oh my god i, I uh i the, the earliest memories that i have of the bronx because i'm a queen's kid and i it's funny but i hadn't gone to the bronx probably until i was 12 or 13 years old um, just because my dad and I started going to the fish markets in the Bronx, which you have to go to at like three or four in the morning mm-hmm. in order to get there on time. And the man, it, it, <laughs> I assume the area where the studio is, is probably some of the areas where I had to pass through to get to that uh, fish market because it, it is still looking rough. And I haven't been there in since November, probably. And it's and I, all I hear is that it's still rough over there. So it's if you ever wanted some danger and some fun, you know, maybe you could start a commons on the street with a couple of us, you know, just pull out some couches and get drunk on the street. It's probably be a good idea. I well, think in Spanish Harlem, they used to do that. But my dad was a was a meat cutter in Brooklyn. So he used to always go to the meat markets in the mm. wee hours. And one day, I think it was Paul Castellano, something that mm-hmm. was gunned down by John Gotti mm-hmm. outside of Sparks. And he was watching oh, wow. TV and he was like, yes. That's Paul. He's a butcher. Yeah. It's like, what? And he just knew him because wow. they, they'll have front jobs and he used yeah. to be at the meat market yeah. every morning. Yeah. It's like, I know that guy. He's a butcher. It's like, I guess that's, that's, that's a good front I, if you're killing I, I, people. It seems like everybody has like a Gotti. Like my dad taught John Gotti Sr. how to blackfish. You know, blackfish, uh, you get them in the ocean. They're one of the most fun fish that you can catch. They fly back and forth and they try to rip themselves off of your line. And my dad was the one who taught John Gotti Sr. how to catch those fish. Just a weird, like, like everybody seems to have a John Gotti. Oh yeah, they're delicious. They're really good. Um, but they're a hell of a catch. Like they, they fight like they aren't five pounds. They fight like they're 30 pound fish. Um, and so I think everybody has a John Gotti story, um, over here. It's yeah, he like a legend. Him. Yeah, he, yeah. Sure, he sure did. <laughs> <laughs> Some people are like, yeah, I don't have a John Gotti fish story, but he did kill half my family. Yeah, yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> now, my dad would tell me, like, don't ever repeat any of the stories I tell you. And years would go yeah. by decades. And he said, if you ever oh, mention that person's name, always follow it with was a really nice guy. Mm-hmm. And that's yes. it. John and his son and the whole Gotti family are wonderful people. Really nice guy. Mm-hmm. I've heard really mm-hmm. nice guy. Yes. Yes. So. Car, have so, you ever been to New York? Yeah, my my mom's from Jersey City. Oh, that's right. Yeah, okay. Oh. Well, wait a minute. He's in New York. What are you talking about? Stop well, doing yeah, this. Oh, yeah, yeah. Also, <laughs> and also recording. It, what that's a great right. character. <laughs> well, I, I, wasn't sure, I wasn't sure if you considered the Bronx part of New York still, or if it was like, if you know, I, I heard the Bron- the boroughs were trying to like split up and become their own cities. God, I wish my friends, <laughs> I sure wish. Uh, that doesn't seem to be the case. It seems like everybody's getting more and more dependent on Manhattan as, as long as this uh, thing continues to go on. Do you think they're maybe emptying the city out for like kind of yes. the way they crash the market and yes. then they just buy it up? 
No doubt in my mind. My me and my father were talking about this the other day, and he was the one who put it in my hand. He he's seen this a million times before in the city. I mean, this is exactly the time when they'll all the poor people have to leave, all the rich people in the new businesses and the small businesses die, the new big businesses come in, all the rich people come in. Yeah, it's the occasional wash in, wash out that this city does. Yes, I'm really. I say it, and it doesn't sound like it's as unfortunate as it is, but it is really a terrible, terrible thing that happens in the city. And it's kind of like crisis in Leviathan where it it's not like it ever gets back to where it's cool. I remember every single time it leveled up because I am from New York. I worked in New York. I lived in New York. And when I the first time I worked in New York, there were no McDonald's at all. Mm-hmm. And then then there were McDonald's. I'm like, who's going to McDonald's? Who would ever yeah. go to McDonald's? And I realized it was like the people I went to college with who got jobs in New York, but were from New York. And then after 9-11, it, it leveled up again to where there were like, I think there were like fence gates on the street corners. So you couldn't like cross whenever you wanted. Yeah. And then I can't remember the timeline exactly, but I remember between Giuliani and Bloomberg, they got rid of smoking in bars, which just. That was all Bloomberg. Bloomberg. Yeah. Giuliani was the one who was responsible for getting all of the poor and homeless out. That was his right. big. That was his oh, big move. Where did they all go? People like that about him. Yeah, I I wonder where all those people went, frankly. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so. Bloomberg came in and uh, and he did the drink tax was his big thing. And yeah, he's and, and all of the right. putting up uh, barriers and fencing and every, every building in the city has to have a scaffolding on it now. So you can't even appreciate it anymore. It's terrible. Really like, no, not all of them. But even oh. minor, even minor yeah. work or even if work is needed, there has to be scaffolding up. So half the city is covered in scaffolding. Oh, that is just so tacky. It's and terrible. then also the traffic got to the point where as soon as it got to the point, I was a surface dweller. I don't like the sub. Mm-hmm. So as soon yeah, as I got not to now, the point, especially. Yeah, where people could walk faster than the cabs, like really get there faster than the cabs. Yes. I just, I can't hack it anymore. <laughs> no. It's just too much. I can't take yeah. it. I can't take it. When my it's wife over. and I first started dating, she lived in Brooklyn and I would go up and uh, see her. And it was such a culture shock going from living in rural California to living in Virginia Beach, which going to Virginia Beach was a big thing for me because that was a city to me and then going up to new york and that I, i've been in like two fights as an adult and they were both in new york city sure. <laughs> and I've been more than i can count on both of my hands my, <laughs> for no good reason my brooklyn cousins call new manhattan the city yes they don't think they live in the city and they don't have or know anyone who has grass oh yeah and <laughs> they don't think weed? they live in the city <laughs> concrete yeah it's it i now i do that too actually now that i think about it i also refer to it as the city right uh, despite the fact that grass well queens is a little grassier but it's also a little assier too if you know what i mean Um, (laughs) they go hand in hand don't they they sure do (laughs) often one leads to the other (laughs) so I Car, could you bump your audio up a hair? I sure can. Yeah. Thanks. See that beautiful so, voice. I don't want you to break character. Um, <clears throat> and I don't want to get serious, but I do have a question that it derives from why I named it this episode, whatever this swap cast, how I found freedom in an unfree Holiday season, because mm-hmm. the great Harry Brown wrote the book, How I Found Freedom in the Unf- in an Unfree World. 
Did you yeah, have you guys read that? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. They have. I have not. Okay. Oh, I it's read a it. very easy read. But he basically says, you know, don't break the law. Like, don't do what Erwin shifted because then you'll go to jail and mm-hmm. you're not free when you're in jail. Right. And, and it's just like, don't do stupid things. Just make the most of this situation. And it always kind of did not. I love him, but. Um, he has the greatest definition of libertarianism. He says that you should never define libertarianism in terms of conservative or liberal. Just mm-hmm. you is it personal? I always switch it around. It's yeah. That's personal. why. That's why we're all the only in, real libertarians. Yes. Yeah. Right. Individual well, me, but yes. Yeah. yeah. Right. <laughs> right. Oh no! I mean, I I was off the whole corporate libertarianism thing a long time ago to the point where I don't even get the jokes, you know, about the Libertarian yeah. Party or whatever. Yeah. But I always wondered about his his take because I thought, okay, well, you're kind of just putting your head in the sand and things are going to get worse. Mm-hmm. And then it's going to be too late. And I feel like here we are. Things got worse. It is too late. And now I'm finally on his side saying, I really don't think there's anything I can do at all now besides either grow food for as long as they allow that and I mean that. And then, or just, I think I just, I'm about ready to just accept it. But I always feel like <laughs> Binkley and I were talking about from the beginning when people would say, you know, Gates or whoever would say, just, you know, it's, you're only making it worse by not accepting it. And I, and we had a Jeopardy category, things a rapist would say. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> oh God. Oh, that's like that's like one of our game shows. Oh, that's horrible. That's worse than our game shows. <laughs> it's true. That's what these guys talk about. It's like it's just a bunch of stuff. Like... Klaus Schwab says it ends up being <laughs> Jesus. Oh man! But I, I'm ready to accept it. Like I'm I'm ready to like take the bit to you know get changed to the radiator, whatever it is that they need yeah. to do. I just mm. you know just give me my bowl of food. I'll be happy with that. I, I don't want, you know, I, I'm not, I'm not literally going to be happy with it. I'm just saying I've kind of lost. I kind of am back where Harry Brown was, except for I think Harry Brown was premature. And if he had said, had better advice, maybe we wouldn't be here, but I just, I don't know. I mean, do we accept what's the story? What's the plan? Do you, do you mind if I uh, take this away? Please do. Is, is it going to uh, be like a Bitcoin? Well, it's you know, partially, but, but what's, not, what's not your entirely. Car, no, 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 it's going to be about attitude. It's going to be. Oh. <laughs> car, I was literally, I was waiting if she was going to ask me, what do you think, Bert? I was going to go, I defer to Car on this, we've talked about this a million times. Uh, first, Binkley, is my audio okay? Yeah, sounds good. Okay. Uh, so I've been, so I have been kind of low key bringing up this, this uh, running bit on Twitter that my, I, I, uh, run my own country, the Carcadian Empire, which is my little acre plot in North Texas, um, which is a joke, obviously. But it's kind of like an interesting attitude to just be like, OK, you know, like and I'll just be like, well, you know, we didn't really do the mask mandates here in Carcadia. Uh, and it turns out that it worked out pretty well, you know, and, and I'll have like all of these different these different um you know, regulations or whatever that I decided not to enact. And it worked out pretty well here. Um, and so I think that thinking yourself, thinking about yourself in the spirit of Harry Brown, kind of thinking about yourself as a separate country or your own country or your own person is a, is a, a great way to start to look at it. Um, and that obviously butts up against some harsh reality at some time. And I think that Harry Brown fell more on the, 
what you what some may say bury your head in the sand style and i definitely don't fall in in that category uh partially because i don't have a family i don't have anyone that depends on me so i don't really care that much but be you know at the beginning of this uh, at the beginning of the um the uh uh covid thing actually so jacob and i live uh the Childerberg and I live uh, like 20 minutes from each other. So we, we would have lunch every now and then during the COVID thing. We were, you know, we, we've believed the same thing through the entire thing. And it's, I, I, I had made the determination. I'm going to continue to live my life the, the way that I see fit. When they issued curfews, I said, I'm not going to obey the curfew. If when they issued mask mandates, I'm not going to obey the mask mandate unless the private business that I'm going to request that I obey it. Um, and I'm just going to continue to live my life because in Carcadia, you know, we don't have these things. So um, I what I had, had kind of determined was saying, if I'm going to get pulled over outside of curfew, or if I'm going to get pulled over or, or hassled about uh, a mask, I want that ticket. I want to go to jail. I want you to put your name on it. I want somebody to put their name on it. I am not going to police myself. You have to police me. I am not going to do it myself. And I think that that, that because they don't have the resources if, more, if a lot of people have that mm. attitude. Yeah, I... I love that attitude. And I immediately, we're just renting here. I immediately started making plans to move to Austin. I was looking at places in Austin that I heard Joe Rogan was moving to Austin. So then I switched to Montana. But our friend Bill Lobey, who does Neighbors Feed and Seed, called me. He's like, you cannot move to Montana because it's very cold there. And you don't know how to grow anything. And like those places don't even have water and electricity. Like you're just going too far, Brooklyn girl. Mm. It's like, okay. So, but here, I I knew, I knew a guy, I know a guy here who has, I think he has like 13 kids and he owns an Irish pub and this place locked down like Friday the 13th in March. Yes. And he had a St. Patrick's Day party anyway. And they, he was, I, he was, last I heard he was facing 90 days in jail and who knows if he'll lose his liquor license and I, I don't know. So I like that. They wrote about him in the Wall Street Journal. So he got yeah. some coverage. Mm-hmm. But yeah. it's, you know, is he going to is it going to change anything or is it just his being able to like tell St. Peter, hey, man, I did my part and that's what I'm here for. Well, here, here's here would be my rebuttal as the man of the household. What's his alternative? I mean, it, it, if he's unable to protect and provide while sitting on the couch without a restaurant, what's the difference of sitting in jail without a restaurant to provide yes. for his family? You yeah, know what I mean? I, 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 I mean, there is a difference. Like, obviously he's away from his family, but like, no, 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 a, you're right. You, you're right. You know, I, what, what the hell's the difference? There's a bigger problem actually, now that you mention it, which is that he, he probably has to, I, I don't think he has to, I don't know anything about his financial situation. Like this could be his life's work and it's all up in smoke. He hasn't been able to open it in all this time. And if he had any cushion, I just don't know. Maybe he got lured into taking a loan. But yeah. if he's if he's in this position where he's absolutely desperate, they it's kind of like the mob with the carrot and the stick. Like you might have to take their money, right? They might, he mm-hmm. might have no money at all. And they're like, we're yeah. giving you this $1,200 card that you can buy food for your family and you're going to take it. And yep. now we own your soul. Yep. And they had yep. to take the money. And I had an uncle who was a priest and I, I would ask him, I was like, can I, my father would say, you can't get a social security card because it's the mark of the beast. It's <laughs> like, yeah, I kind of, well. You know, I got to work. He's like, don't, don't do yeah. that, you know? And yeah. my uncle said, if they force you, 
you it's not really your moral bad, but you know, maybe it is. Maybe it is because if is what's force? When does it right. when is it force? Oh yeah, and I mean like I, to to circle back just to make sure, you know, that putting comparing my situation to his is is like ridiculous. Like I mean, when you have 13 dependents and you have like, you know, I I'm a, I've got a decent I've got a very good cushion and I like I have nobody depending on me. If I go to jail for a month, I mean other than just the misery of sitting in jail, it doesn't really fucking matter, you know? I mean, so I don't know. No, I'm not. I'm not. And I'm not. I do. I've always thought that that like if you don't have dependence, you have more freedom. But I also think when you have dependence, you have a certain responsibility to be prepared for that. And I just didn't this year. It came to me that it's not it's I, I have I didn't realize that I was so totally dependent on the whims of the government and probably because I didn't anticipate a complete worldwide lockdown at once. So I have Great. Irish citizenship. My son has Down syndrome. I immediately got everybody Irish citizenship because I was like, oh, wow, Good he might you. not make it. Yeah. You know, like I just the Pope Benedict at the when he was born, lost a cousin to the Nazis who had Down syndrome. I was like, we're going wow. where they're going to come for them last. Yeah. <clears throat> and. I just didn't I just didn't anticipate that every place on earth would do this crazy stuff. Like yeah. it's it, it almost makes me think that we're looking behind the scenes at like a much much more powerful central entity than I ever anticipated. The thing about dependency you were saying a moment ago, those guys in restaurants and the the guys that are standing up that have the the big families that we were talking about. It's also a behavioral modeling thing for their kids. If they want their kids not to submit to this stuff, they want their kids to do the same thing to fight against yeah. it when they get older. It's, it's creating the next generation yeah. of libertarians, so to speak. That's, good That's true. And they're, they're religious, those guys. So they care more about that, which I think out here, the reason that people are so absolutely cowed by a threat to their physical integrity is that they're obsessed with it as the only thing they have. Yeah. For better or worse, like they, you just, you have so much more control over people when you control their physical well being. And that's the only thing they have. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <clears throat> no doubt. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's, it is very much a, uh, well, kind of what you're saying too on that same thing is like, I am I, disappointed is not the correct word, but like I am shocked at how. My, and car actually just a couple of months into this, you and I were talking about it when you came over for cheesesteaks. Yeah, um, I was. I'm just shocked at how readily everybody went along with it. Where they're just like, okay, like, yeah. And you're like, really? Like, I mean, and and now, granted, like, what else are you going to do? I mean, because I was talking to my wife about this a couple of days ago too, or I was like, well, we kind of went along with it too, to some degree. I mean. But what else were we going to do? I mean, there, especially at the beginning of this, we went out. We went driving around looking for places to go. Everything was closed. So, like, we were out going places, but there was nothing to do. We couldn't go to a restaurant or anything like that. And we've done, we've done some things to kind of mock it a little bit. Like, uh, she wears, instead of a mask, she wears a silly hat with a propeller on it and a visor. And, uh, like, I have a captain's hat that I wear that has a visor. And... um <laughs> We've been kicked out of a couple of places where they're like, those aren't the proper masks. And then I make up stuff too about like, 
I'm like, this is compliant with Texas regulation <laughs> and, <laughs> and uh, stuff like that, which they, they don't, nobody knows that nobody knows yeah. what the regulation is. I'm like, this is, in, this is compliant. It covers my nose and my mouth. That's all the regulation says. And they're like, uh, I don't think so. And actually I used, I used one of your lines the other day, Monica, where we went in and my wife was wearing a different, a different visor, but it was one that like goes on her chin. And it's just clear. Cause she didn't want to mess up her makeup. And this is when we, I think car, I, I didn't, I, maybe I didn't text you. I texted the other group about it. Uh, they kicked us out cause it was the wrong mask out <laughs> of the art museum, which I paid for. <laughs> the art, and, oh, the art museum is the, is the hidden gem of this. <laughs> yeah. Right. Intolerance yeah. Like, level. I kicked her out because they thought she took some modern yeah. art and attached it yeah. to her. expressing herself. <laughs> yeah, Monica, yeah. you just stole my word. I was literally about to go the intolerant left. <laughs> <laughs> well, they kicked the guy off a plane. He had a face shield on, and they wanted him to also put on a mask. And they yeah. had to physically drag him off the plane. Can you imagine being so cautious that you put on a a freaking face shield, and then you still get kicked off the plane? Yeah, crazy. Yeah. Well, this is what this is what uh, the guy we go in, and um, I'm probably embellishing this story because I, I always embellish things in my head, but. Uh, we, we go in and the guy, the guy is like, uh, ma'am, you can't wear that mask. And like, I just, I just kind of stepped in front and was like, oh, she, you know, she doesn't really speak English. And, um, uh, hey, based, based, yeah, based. And I was like, also, but also but, neither but, do I, yeah. <laughs> but she has an exemption and he goes, there are no exemptions. And I went, excuse me. <laughs> and, and he said, there are no exemptions for this facility. And I said, this is a, this is a public facility, right? And he said, he says, yes. And I said, well, I guess we're not seeing the art ex- the art exhibit, but um, I, I hope you're familiar with the Americans with Disability Act. And uh, and he's like, well, I'm sorry, sir. I don't know about that. You know, you have to go. And I was wow. like, all right, we'll, we'll leave. But, uh, you know, <laughs> I, I have nothing else to say. Like, did you win? You didn't win. No, no. He just, no. But this That's is, this something is, else. Is artists not wanting time. people to come in. Like artists this, want, need people to come see their stuff for them to just true. tell people to go elsewhere. Because they were crazy. thinking outside the box. Yeah. yeah, you know they but, were thinking slightly out. They were coloring slightly outside the lines, and they got like yeah. slapped. Out. I can imagine an improv show with six audience members only already. Three more come to the door. I go, no, no, no. We're going to send what would be thirty three percent of our audience away because they're not wearing a mask. That's I don't see that happening. Yeah, but and it's, think- I mean, it's, it's a city museum too. It's like, I mean. I, I'd like a refund. I, and my wife and I debated this while we were leaving. We ended up going to Home Goods instead. It's <laughs> just as good, but but, right. uh, but it was a store. And so, like you know, you go to the store and they they don't care as much. And but like I'm thinking about it, and like I don't know how I would approach this complaint. It's one of those things where I'm like, I should have become a lawyer because I would make so much trouble for so many people. The problem <laughs> is the problem is there's no real law. No, it's there's not. Just, it's just like it's. I don't even know what it is. It's like, that that was the thing we were talking about, Jacob, like, like early on where I was like the, you know, before this all started, I, I I had kind of a different view of having local and state governance. Um, And then once this thing started happening, I I was, it it seemed like there were edicts or random decrees coming from all different directions. And you're like, how do you even begin to fight this in court? Because I don't even think this is legal. It's just bullying. So, what law is it? I don't know that it is a law. 
Yeah, and it's not. It's it's like it's like mandate. It's just some guy said something, something yeah. and the police are following him, so everybody has to follow. And, it, and this wasn't even the police; it was just some old geriatric security guard. And that's the thing: it's the these, it's yeah. older people and low wage workers, like people yeah. baristas and yeah. servers that are being put in a position where they have to enforce these mask right. policies. They're not conflict resolution experts. Yeah. They'd be no. doing conflict resolution if that were the case. But the people in power are hiding behind these people. Who are just putting them in a tough situation? Crazy. Yeah, it's yeah, crazy. And, and and I and I do sort of to some degree feel bad about that. Like, uh, well, you weren't there, Carl. This was uh, when uh, Jared and uh, Will from Peaceful Treason podcast, yeah, the pizza place. When they were saying, yeah, the pizza place. When we we went in there and none of us were wearing masks, and the lady was like, well, you gotta you gotta wear masks to come in. And Jared goes, well, we're already in. And she goes, yeah, but you've got to wear masks to come in. And he goes, yeah, but we're already in. We're already in the store. <laughs> so. And she's yeah, exactly. He just goes, so and she's like, um you gotta have a mask. <laughs> she didn't know what to do. And and you know, Jerry poker programming. The virus gives you a 30 second to minute window before it releases itself. <laughs> yeah. You can put on yeah. a mask once you enter. Well, and it was we went down to the, the QT and grabbed a mask because I wanted pizza. So we went and got a mask and came back. Literally, we walked further to like the hostess station. Then, like, pass more tables to the hostess station than it was from the hostess station to where they sat us. And so, the first time we came in, we had already walked past like a bunch of people sitting down. So, like, yeah, you can't it. yeah it made no sense. So, I mean, none of this does. That's 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 Doesn't make- yeah. And yeah. then there's something more exaggerated than I've ever seen before. Although I saw it with all the criminal justice stuff with Bill Cosby and Lori Loughlin and even just plea bargains in general, like you, you can make an argument, you can have law on your side and you can have logic on your side, but the way they manipulate the system, you're never going to win. They're going to throw the book at you. You're going to plea bargain, whatever, but it's, but the latest example, it's not just the COVID stuff. I don't even have a specific example with that. It's the or or L.A. did fight and win that the local regulation to close the restaurants had no basis in reality and science. And the judge said, you're right. But the state law supersedes the local law anyway. So it's staying closed. And it's like, but it still doesn't make sense. But what happened in Georgia with the election, we talked to this election integrity activist, Garland Favrito, who we always knew from when we were on the radio. And he uh, he's absolutely I mean, it is the stuff that he has on the election irregularities are not resolved. He's made complaints. He it's very clear he's presented before the legislative bodies. He the the secretary of state, the governor, everybody's Republican. They know him. He's got them dead to rights and they're just dropping it. Yeah. And I, I mean, there's no, it, there, there's no law. There's no law. There's no rule of law anymore. Of course, the law rules us, but the rulers are not ruled by the rule of law. Well, and I yeah. think that's, I think that's kind of back to the point that was made earlier is that this, I think you're right. This is just sort of, sort of the veil has been lifted. And now it's like, you, you see how the sausage is made. It's clear that it's all been bullshit all along. So yeah. And, and, and putting it out there and people are still putting up with it. I think that, that yeah. it's, uh, what will they put up with will continue to reveal the method until yeah. it's stopped. But I would say, and I don't know, I mean, you can't speak for everywhere, but I would say like, I think that there are hot spots where people are really abiding by it, but 
like where me and Jacob are, and particularly the further west you go in the Metroplex and DFW, yeah. it's like the, the let the less anybody cares, and yeah. so it, it's kind of like like Dallas it, is pretty hard. Da- for Dallas is yeah. insane. Fort but Worth like, is not but like, insane. Yeah, Fort Worth is fine, except yeah. for the stupid art museum. But uh, yeah. well, <laughs> right, the actual states. On party lines, it's about leadership. Yeah. And when Kinda, like, yeah. Bigley pays us the, plays us these clips, they, when they're plotting these things, they talk openly over and over again about, they do studies on who people follow and trust. And they're like, Oh, we were surprised to find that employers are some of the most trusted people in a person's life. So we need to make sure the employers tell people how to behave. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, it's yeah. sick. And they really focus on faith leaders. And this time they were talking like the event to a one thing this time they were talking about frontline healthcare workers. Oh and they, sure they just did a panel discussion on getting to the faith leaders yesterday. Mm-hmm. But this was uh, October 2019. That's if why I hear frontline workers needs- one more time, I'm going to freak out. I cannot hear that sentence anymore. I love it. I love that. I, I love that phrase. That I, I love. I love specifically the phrase, Doctor Anthony Fauci and the frontline healthcare worker. Oh because he's the leader. Out front. He is. Yeah. He is the unelected, unappointed, hasn't worked on the front lines during this entire thing. No, he's just been hanging out. At a national Washington Nationals game. That's yeah. why they had to separate Wild. him out from actually the frontline yeah. workers. Yeah. Had right. Yes. He goes around right. saying literally the opposite things to different. It's cr- insane to me that he says one thing one day and then he says the opposite the next day. And Andrew Cuomo goes, yeah, he's right. Both days, man. Right. Both days. And I'm going, <laughs> That's the, what? It's the, it's the whole thing has just been how many layers of obvious bullshit can you stack on top? And that's the funny thing, too, is that like when we were talking about like edicts and laws and, and whatever is like there will be one edict that comes in from some level of government and then another edict that comes in from another level of government and it leaves people being like, well, I don't even really know which bullshit yeah. edict is legitimate. I mean, neither of them are obviously, but like, which one do I follow? And like, you know, it's just this just complete cluster where you're like, I don't. Well, and you know, there might be some, this is something that Mason and I on uh, tasting anarchy sometimes talk about is that sometimes it's, it's a good thing when things are like ridiculously confusing like that, yeah. because at a certain point you're That's just like, you just make your own rule. Yeah. You're like, yeah. I don't know. And, and you know, we've, we've been doing that to some degree, like yeah. with, with Childerberg, it's like, they wanted us to cancel it, but I, I thought at the time it was really important to, to do it. And yeah. uh, it ended up being a lot of fun, but like we had Killdozer Day here. We had Ron Paul Day. Um, I've, I've done, I did Friendsgiving here at my house. We're going to be doing a Home Alone night on the 26th. And, uh, and then we have Ukrainian Christmas on January 8th. So like I'm getting people together whenever I can, because I think a lot of people are sort of, uh, community starved to some degree. And, and that's really been yep. my role in like the Liberty movement ever since I was like 19 or 20 was some sort of organizing to get people to do stuff together. Cause I like yeah. it and I'm, and I'm pretty introverted, but um, I'm good at if, as long as it's like I've set it up and I control it to some degree, I'm a little dictator. Uh, <laughs> I feel a lot better about it. So well, not um, enough libertarians have that little knack. So Jacob, I don't know if it's occurred to you, Jacob, but you're set, like literally saving people's lives more than the more than most people. Yeah. during no, Jacob yeah. crushes that role. Trust me. He's yeah. uh, like that. I, 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 cause I am the exact opposite. I cannot organize. I can't keep it. No, but you're, that's what you're the face. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. What are you burning? <laughs> 
Jim Fauci of the organization. It's true. It, it's like you, you say, like, Car Campit of the podcast formerly known as the Fagcast will be there. And then he doesn't really show up, but other people do. So. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm I'm sure, like, Jacob will text me, like, hey, dude, are you coming? I'm like, dude, I totally zoned, man. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> totally zoned. I totally zoned on that. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I think I think it, and I also just the, the type of people that are in the liberty movement and to keep them cohesive. And I think this is also sort of on that uh, Freedom Cells. Uh, John Bush put together that Freedom Cell mm-hmm. thing. Uh, it, it's sort of a similar uh, thing is that people who are involved in the libertarian movement tend to be um, very introverted and in a lot of ways, very strange. And, and I'm, I'm that way as well. Uh, and they very, very much appreciate meeting up with other people who have similar interests, but it also gives you an opportunity to realize who's in your area, who you can count on, who it's okay to talk about these ideas with. I mean, like at my job, everybody knows my political beliefs. I'm not super quiet about it, but like I know that at my old job, I showed up on day one with a big it's a big sticker that said payroll tax with a line through it on the back of my car and it was at a payroll company. So, <laughs> and, and, uh, my then new boss like comes in and he's like, whose car is that outside with the thing? Oh and I was like, well, yeah, he was mad. And then he was like, you got to really? park around the corner from now on. And I was really? like, well, he didn't he say you're right. He must have known you were right. Oh, I, he, well, he <laughs> makes so much money off of it. He knew I was right. Like all my points were correct, but like yes. he, the, the amount of the whole industry, uh, is oh, yeah. only exists because of payroll tax. Nobody, nobody would pay their payroll with a payroll company if it wasn't for how complicated payroll taxes. Yes. So yes, they would just write a check because that's that's really what paying is supposed to be. It's like, oh, we agreed to just five dollars an hour. How many hours right. did you work? Click, 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 and then you give them a check. But now it's right. like, no, you got to take this amount out. And the employer's got to pay this amount, and then because you get tax deductions because of four hundred one k, that's got to be run through payroll. And now, and then ACA was added onto that, and like, uh, I mean, it's just it became this crazy beast. I mean, it, it's a really interesting world to work in when you're, when you have like the ideas that we have, because you're just like, this whole thing is a huge scam. And, uh, and, and but you're still doing are the ones I guess, oh, yeah. you yeah. know, it's just, it's, it's like, it's the, the, the amount of like when the ACA went in, this is a whole side tangent, but when the ACA went in the amount, cause I'm a software developer, the amount of labor that went into getting people into compliance for that, which is is a part of the ACA argument that people don't really talk a whole lot about. It's not just the 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 fees and stuff like that for not doing it. It's the cost of compliance is astronomical. Really? It's like it's like an additional. I think we were charging something like two dollars and fifty cents per employee per paycheck just for the data recording, and then and then compiling the data and submitting it to the IRS was this other huge fee. And I mean, we made tons and tons of money on it in the payroll industry. Uh, and that's one of the reasons why the big payroll lobbies were pushing for it because they it's knew why it's the classic regulatory barriers to entry. People are like, yeah. Oh yeah, big yeah. tech is going to ha- get theirs. They're going to get regulated. Yeah. I'm like, you know, yeah, Facebook right. shares go up <laughs> yeah. when yeah. you talk about that. I mean, yeah. Yeah. no one, I mean, I think Marlboro was behind limiting tobacco advertising. Yeah. Oh, and then, they, and then as soon as that went through, they bought up every little tobacco company and because right. they all, they all went out of business. There was a, and they made, they, there's those laws too. those uh, Indian cigarettes that they, they used to sell here years before I was uh, old enough to remember, but they used to sell these Indian cigarettes for like oh, yeah. 50 cents each or something like, or like less than that. It was like a, it's like five cents each or something. And then they made those illegal because they're, you know, they're from outside the United States. They're unregulated. And that was, that was part of Philip Morris, uh, 
lobbying to like because people started buying these cigarettes for like ridiculously cheap. They're the same thing. They're actually probably better for you because they're just tobacco. So yeah, instead yeah. of all the other stuff they put in them. That's but, why yeah. I don't like the whole regulating pot. Like, don't regulate yeah. it. The last yeah. I mean, what? What do you have to regulate? Grow it's a weed. It grows up out of the grass. Like, that's the one that you don't want people smoking. Are, are, uh, still, are they still talking about that legislation? By the way, not in not in, uh, where are not the in details Carcadia. of that. Okay, has actually it. legalized it. So we Carcadia had it legalized. Yeah, we, we legalized it recently on Carcadia. Yeah. Oh, recently. Oh, wow. Well, three years ago, when we when we established. That's so progressive of yeah. you of Carcadia. Has George yeah. Soros been banned from Carcadia? <laughs> he is not allowed. He is not allowed. Anyway. Wow! Oh, so you are putting your, you're putting your, your really borders up. Put my foot down. Really? So you are issuing Carcadian visas anytime soon? Anything like that? <laughs> sure. Just sign your name. Mm-hmm. And that's it. <laughs> and, <you're- laughs> and I'll just do a quick check against George Soros's name, and if it's not George Soros, you're in. <laughs> ah, I see. This is not George Soros. Welcome aboard. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know the details of the legislation. Too. I, what actually, I mean, I do know the details of the legislation. What I don't know is whether or not it's still being considered. The thing that troubles me is that um, they're attaching taxes to it. Um, they're attaching, and it, it's not a a full legalization bill to begin with. If I remember the details of it, it is only legalization in certain circumstances. So it's not a descheduling, yeah. um, which is they're legalizing it, but you can still go to jail. Oh yeah, baby. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. As long as it doesn't come off that that register, it, it's it's doesn't matter. It's sort of like those uh, those PCR tests. If you just if you want a positive result, you just turn up the cycles. Yes. But in this case, if you want more slave laborers, you just yeah. enforce the laws that are on the books, and then you get more slave laborers. I, I frankly am am hoping that there's a move to. Um, Get to remit all of the sentences of people who are arrested for it, but keep it illegal because now that New Jersey has it legal and New York doesn't, it's been cheaper than ever. This is the best. Uh, so in New York, in New York, it's illegal. In New Jersey, it's completely legal, right, and the prices dropped. Yeah, it's cheap now. It's cheaper now. Right, it's even right. cheaper now. So I'm, I'm whatever you want to do. Like Carr said, I, I mean, it hasn't been illegal to me. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah. it's been fairly, it's been fairly legal on Carcadia. <laughs> Especially around 2.30 in the morning or yeah, so. Yeah, it's, it's around. You can find it. <laughs> in the drawer in the kitchen, for example. I was, I, and it's funny, I, I was thinking while you guys were talking, and, and I, I, I really admire Jared, Will, and, and, and Jake, your, your little stunt in the pizzeria, because I did one myself, very similar, where I didn't have a mask, walked into a, I guess you'd call it a bar, but it's not so much a bar as it is a sit-down, eat place with a big bar in it. And the guy was like, hey, you got to put a mask on didn't have a mask. I was wearing a t-shirt. I pulled the t-shirt up over my face and you just see my, my stomach out now. And I go, is that okay? (laughs) That's all I could do. I I ended up getting what I needed in the most tedious way possible, but you know, I don't care. I've always been the kind of like bow my head towards you while I have a knife in the back of my hand type of situation. Like I don't care. I don't really care about, you know, if you want me to wear a mask, it's on. Don't care. Right. Doesn't make a difference ultimately to me because I'm going to take it off at some point. And it's really funny how all three of the co-hosts of Timeline Earth have taken a completely um, individual stance on this where cars is I'm not I'm just not doing it. Mine is. Uh, yeah, I'll do it as long as you can see me. And uh, Aaron's is not only will I not do it, but I'm just going to start coughing in public at people. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. Aaron is very confrontational. <laughs> oh, it's amazing. It's great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, I, I think all three methods are how you live freer in an unfree world. But 
to bring it back, how you live funnier in an unfree world, mm. pull that shirt up, stand in the pizzeria and go, uh, what are you talking about? I'm already here. Make Let that gut fly. Yeah. I was talking with uh, Corey, Lee uh, and Block Press yeah. at and Block Press. Me and Lee have been talking for a while about ways that we can make politics work for us. Um, and what we we've realized that the politics of shame and the politics of embarrassment work a lot more than the politics of fear. And so when you put people into situations where, and it's for all the libertarians, not a nap bio to embarrass somebody perfectly fine. If they can't take it, it's them. If you can just embarrass people into, you know, Oh, I, I'm in tipping, the middle of the store already in a restaurant. Yeah. Or anything. Anything. You can get people to do anything if you embarrass them enough. So I, so you walk into the, a restaurant, they go, you got to put a mask on. Oh, I don't have a mask. Or, or you know, and then they go, okay, well, you got to go get a mask or something. Take your shoe off and put it on your mouth or something. <laughs> Be ridiculous. <laughs> Be insane. That's how the girl with her underwear on her face in the TikTok yeah. video. In, incredible. Incredible stuff. That Those people... There's not a single person, and I've seen multiple pictures of people wearing underwear on their face. Not a single one of those people is doing that unintentionally. They're all doing that on purpose because it's hilarious and because they're getting away with, yeah, I guess I have to put something on my face, but I'm going to make a mockery out of it while I do it. Uh, you know, there are people who are selling masks that say don't wear a mask on them. And I just mm -hmm. go, that's ridiculous. I don't understand that at all. Yeah. Just put the underwear on your face. Seriously. Right. I got a big leg mask to get a listener made. It's a giant leg one. mask. I bought one yesterday. I bought so one awesome. last night. A little plastic plague doctor mask that I intend to walk into at least one business establishment with. Do you have yours handy, Binkley? Yeah, I'll get it. I'll show it to you. you he Binkley loves the my son who has Down syndrome. When this first started, like he wasn't trying to be funny. He just had no idea what we were talking about. And yeah. we're in the car. And we're like, do you have your mask? And he's like, oh, no, well, let me go get it. So he ran back at the house. And he comes out with a werewolf mask. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, see, but it's stuff yeah, like that, that. We were like, good with it. We we're like, fine. Yeah. Elliot. What's what's funnier than if you're already in prison peeing on the prison guard's shower, uh, pre peeing oh, on the prison go. guard's oh, leg my. in the shower, or so? Oh my God! Look at that yeah. mask. That's it's horrifying. made out of a gourd. Is it really? Oh, that's Is it cool. really? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Nice. That'll protect you from diseases. Now. You can't hear me. Can you hear me right now? I'm yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Loud and clear. Awesome. Yeah, it's got giant holes here, so it's really not protecting anything. But I. I I haven't I mean, gotten questioned yet. I haven't worn it a couple of times. It's protecting you in the sense that nobody would want to be anywhere near you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Try to, try to, to go to customer service and just ask a lot of questions. <laughs> right. You have that little spittle dripping off the nose thing. Yeah. You know, like, you know, just, just like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> all right. All right. All right. Here. Geez. It's, it's a phrase that we haven't like really said in a while, but keep the timeline weird is a legitimate axiom to live by, I think. Yeah. Fair enough. Fair enough. Well, you know, well, I think everybody on the set of Mission Impossible 7 should show up tomorrow without mask on just to see if Tom Cruise just loses this shit completely. Although I think his little thing was a publicity stunt. I don't know if you guys saw that story. No. Where yeah, I did. Audio of him. Yeah. Just really? yelling at people. You want to wear a fucking mask on this set? I've got no. so much invested in this. We're the example for Hollywood. You're going to wear it or you're fired. Just, it was totally. 
uh, Tom Cruise angry monologue like he gives in every single movie, except it was directed at like a couple of gaffers or something on set who didn't have their mask on. I can literally can't imagine Tom Cruise yelling at me and not laughing. The yeah, entire I know. Way through, I'm right? saying, right? Yeah. ridiculous. You're like, he's my height, which just makes it really funny to me. Like, like he's trying to yell like he's taller, but he, I, dude, you're my height. You're not, you can't yell like that. Can you imagine him yelling at, J- at Jacob? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yelling upwards. Are you seven yeah, feet yeah. tall, Jacob? I'm 6'5". 6'5". Uh, six five. Yeah. Six five. See, Jacob's that's one inch dude. too tall. You know that, right? What's that? That's just one inch too tall. Oh, is it one inch too tall? Yeah, like five. He, he's going. Totally, he he's going. It's one inch not tall enough. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, it just gets weird at that point. Did you play I, basketball? There is no. I didn't. I never played any sports. I, I swam and I wrestled, but uh, I never played any like height advantage sports. I guess swimming yeah. kind of, but um, yeah, I, I never played any. I, I was never, wrestling. I never, you must have had to get so skinny. Uh, I was. I actually wrestled in the at the time, the heaviest weight class that was uh, available to me. And there was like one other person in the weight class. So was, I just always wrestled the same guy. <laughs> oh, nice. Me and my buddy. Yeah. Did you win? I was so bad. I, I'm, I'm not a very aggressive person. I'm just, I'm pretty, uh, it's very hard for me to be aggressive. So I was never good at aggressive type sports. So uh, I wish I, I wish I had been better. I think I'd be better at it now because I understand it. Uh, like I understand like, right turning on being aggressive and turning it off. Whereas like when I was a kid, like I just didn't want to, I just was not understanding <laughs> stuff makes such a difference. Like it the does, older yeah. I get, I don't know what it is. It has to be like in your brain. It stops the chaos kind of like clears and you yeah. see the patterns better. And then you mm-hmm. can figure out how to learn. So I try to tell my kids, like, I don't know how this works, but I'm like, Oh, just look at it and think about it. And they're like, what right. the fuck is yeah. that? like literally you can take your car, just look at it and think about it. Yeah, and it works for me now, but like it never would work before. But yeah, now I feel like I look back, I could probably have done anything I wanted, even something I was bad at by nature, just just by realizing that if anybody can do it, there it's how complicated could anything be? That's why I get so frustrated with this argument that you could never understand uh, whatever uh, this yeah. policy, foreign so, policy. Yeah, that's so what the, the, the elites say. They're, these idiots can't understand foreign policy, so we'll keep them fighting over the domestic stuff while yeah. we put our own foreign policy. Well, and you, yeah, you get, like, this, you get this kind of, it. you kind of get that same sort of thing from like uh, people, I guess, on the far left or whatever, where they'll be like, "Well, you can't understand it because you're you have an intact family life and like your parents are still together or yeah. or, or whatever it is." Is you can't understand it because you're not whatever category we're talking about and. I'm like, yeah, but you're not either. So how can you understand? (laughs) And and they always actually like every one of those arguments are very myopic. Like you get really, really close. And I always my mantra has always been if you step back any time, because when I had the radio show on the radio, people just wanted to talk about policy. And I was like. I'm never going to learn about your policy, but what I will do is look at the policy that created this problem. And then we could just peel that back and you could always get to that point to the point where I'm an anarchist. However, so I used to be until very recently, not really thought too hard about the anarcho-capitalist handle until I kind of concluded that capital is, you know, I always thought of capital as like you convert your labor into little gold bits and then Mm -hmm. you trade it to other people who put their labor into gold bits. And it's just great. It's perfect. It's like a, it's like a leakless system. 
And then, but it's not because it's not, that's not what capital is anymore. And it just took me so long to think of that until like right now in the here and now, when I see that I have absolutely no control over my physical well-being because this capital thing, I converted all of my labor into capital and it just kind of dissipated into the system. So now I want to be an agorist, but I was going to say you converted all of your labor into, unfortunately, into fiat capital. Yeah, yeah. No, I know. I just didn't think that hard. Like I completely relied on this like super complex system as not being something that they could literally just snap their fingers and negate all the laws of economics, of law, of like the germ theories they were telling. They just snap their fingers and it all goes away. And I just... Follow the science. That's all they say. Follow the science. Follow the science. But those priests, you know, they keep the science in the Greek and you can't read it because you're too stupid and all that kind of stuff. So you have to trust them. But I, I feel like I've kind of migrated. I don't know if you remember Joe Sobran, I think it was. Yeah, Joseph Sobran. He used to call himself a philosophical anarchist. So he was engaged in politics, but he knew, you know, it was his moment for him like it is for me. And he was just like, I'm not really an anarchist. I'm not going all the way, but I get it. And it's right. I'm just not there yet. But like with the agorism, I really don't know how, I mean, I have my, my son has Down syndrome and it's very like, uh, you know, I don't have a lot of freedom. <laughs> you know, I don't have a lot of flexibility. I've made this world the way it is for myself, reliant on assumptions that are, have all been negated. So I really, I, I'm trying to transition to philosophical agorism and then actual agorism, but mm-hmm. I, this is where I get kind of hopeless because I, I don't live in, Carcadia, and I. Well, you certainly well, you can, can live in. You can yeah. live in Monaco. 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 I would like to live in Monaco. Yeah. I don't even yeah. own the house I live in. I got yeah. nothing. You're, you got a contract, right? I think this was one of the uh, things that made, uh, that car you. I don't remember what show it was, but I do remember it was years in my conversation. It might have been on our show the first time you came on, and we had uh, your famous box wine. Mm-hmm. Um, brought box wine spritzer. But um, was we talked about this and and you you guys had had on or maybe you were on Rollo's show or something like that with somebody who was an agorist and they were talking about like uh, avoiding toll roads and stuff like that. And like, I hated that episode. I was was (laughs) like, I was like, this this is is the most impractical, most aggravating, like virtue signal from the side that I agree with kind of thing where you're like, well, I'm going to go around 20 miles out of my way to avoid the toll road. And you're like, man, Mm -hmm. you know. But that it was kind of when I was kind of thinking about it more was uh, it was um, my wife is bringing me uh, wine. Uh, but it, I was thinking that, that kind of agorism is is um, and I've read Konkin and stuff like that. And so he does make a lot of really good points. But um, a lot of it's aesthetics, I think, is that like the people that you meet that call themselves agorists usually are people who are just into kind of the hippie in in kind of the hippie sort of mm-hmm. wing yeah. of libertarianism which like i, I would say I'm, I'm i'm a little bit there too but um no. i like living in the suburbs i i kind of like i like having a pool i like i like this life i want but i want to recreate that in a place where i know my community like i grew up in a neighborhood where like i knew pretty much everybody we went out and played and we didn't have anybody telling us uh you know that you know, we knew who to avoid, who, who not to avoid and that kind of stuff. And 
uh, that's sort of what we really kind of what the California Nextile podcast has had its main stuff about was is Childeberg Town uh, intentional community building. And so we've been doing a lot of our long episodes about the different intentional communities, what might or might not work. And there was this project a couple of years ago, still going on called um, Open Source Ecology. And so I kind of want to take that sort of idea and do basically open source intentional communities where it basically just has the instructions. This is how we set it up. This is how much it costs in this location. And this is what worked for us. And then other people can kind of do that same thing. And this is it's growing and growing and growing. The number of people who are like, we've got to get out of the city. Or we've got to we've got to get out of like wherever the heck they are that it's not working out for them and go someplace where they don't need to ask permission to walk out of their house without a mask on kind of thing. Um, like it's it's being able to build a community with people you know. Like it, this is actually something that Malice always brings up a lot is that uh, back when like uh, when it was uh, starting to become okay uh, to be homosexual was that. It's very easy to say it's illegal to be homosexual if you don't know anybody who's gay. Mm -hmm. But if, but when you're like, oh, that guy who helped me rake my leaves up, who lives down the street and is super nice, is also gay, then you kind of go like, oh, I don't want to legislate against them. And when we first moved into this neighborhood, I went around to the houses and uh, tried to say hi to everybody. Everybody thought I was a weirdo. And like, but I mean, that's just how I was. How I was that you were declaring that you were a registered sex offender. Yeah. Like, what's that guy doing? <laughs> I, I, think, I think maybe I think that's maybe what they thought. But it was kind of like, yeah, that's how, Tortura, like, yeah, that's that's how I was raised. There. Like we, when we moved to Virginia, um, when I was 15, that's what we did. We my mom was like, hey, everybody want to go take a walk and like. Yeah. Meet the neighbors. When but I moved yeah. to Dallas, everybody brought me cookies and stuff. There's a comedian that does a bit about that. I can't remember his name. He's an Italian guy. He's funny, but he compares what it used to be like, how people used to just stop by your house and everybody be welcome in, come have some pie yep. and dessert. But now if somebody knocks on the door, or rings the doorbell, everybody's down on the ground. People are like, doing, they're <laughs> running up races on the inside. Who's at our house? I am so well, guilty of this. <laughs> I am as well. I'm one of those, like, did someone just ring my doorbell? Yeah, That's yeah. an offensive thing to me. I shouldn't yeah, even have too. a doorbell. I'm not expecting someone. What's going yeah, on? Yeah. Well, it's, it's sort of like it's it's I mean, it's gotten so much worse because now it's like when my phone rings and I look at it, I'm like, who's calling? Yes. Yes. Like, <laughs> it's like spam. Your phone gets spammed all the time yeah. now. I try and like, like, uh, comfort myself by saying, if you don't already have their number saved, uh, that you don't need to talk to them. <laughs> but it is definitely, definitely isn't true. And, um, I'm always it, British when I answer as though a random person would know whether or not I'm British. That's right. a good idea. I should be playing around with that. Actually, I let my son who has Down syndrome answer. That's a good idea too. Anything, yeah. anything. Yeah. I'm developing such a dislike for like talking to people who are like without me being prepared for it, have to talk to me to the point where like I told my UPS driver just the other day, Hey man, just leave the packages on the door. You don't have to ring the bell anymore. Yeah. Well, that's what I, so, I was like, I'm usually recording. So that sometimes can be disturbing. I'm not recording. But, but see, and, and, like, I, and I totally understand that kind of feeling too. And that's something that like that my wife and I are very consciously and that's what we're doing now with Childerberg Town uh, is this is what we want to do. We're, we're going to do it. Um, and we're the type of people that once we decide we're going to do something, we're, we do it. And uh, so I think that's the direction that we're going to take is um, to live free in an unfree world is move to move to a place and make a place with people who want to be free. And uh, you don't mess with people who are armed up. So I think yeah, and I think that that kind of alludes to a, I, 
I agree with you 100%, Jacob, about the aesthetic of, of agorism or agorism. I think a lot of it is really goofy. Um, and I think that there's a big distinction in that community of um, living free for the sake of undermining the state and living free for the sake of empowering the self. Right. And a lot of people fall into this trap of, hey, I've just got to do this, this and this and this and go out of my way to do this just because I might take some some little bit out of the state's income or something like that, rather than just empowering yourself. And that can be anything that can be learning new skills that can be uh, becoming more wealthy, that can be uh, uh holding your money outside of a bank that can be, you know, any number of things, but like uh, the aesthetic of like obsessing over black market. It's weird because if you, if you're, if you're an agorist for the sake of undermining the state, then you're still defining yourself from the state. You know, you're, 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 you're living at the sake of the state. You're, you're just doing the opposite of what they want rather than just doing what you want. Yeah. Uh, And that's, and we actually, we talked about this on the last uh, long intentional community episode, or maybe it was the one before that was um, that the other, the other problem with, actually, I wouldn't say this is a problem with agorism because it's a problem with the, uh, I guess the agorist, the agorist in personality kind of thing. Yeah, Wait, right. you know, like a libertarian's personality. It's that. Oh, I love that. Um, <laughs> why? Why would you instead of just saying we're holding a flea market or it's a farmer's market mm-hmm. or something like that? Why would you say we're holding a black market on you know June twenty yes. or whatever? Like, well, yes. and then, there again, yes. this, is a, this is a bugaboo of mine. Yeah. Is participate in markets. Yeah. The just, only it, thing that makes it a black market is some other bureaucrat's opinion. I don't care mm-hmm. about bureaucrats' opinions. So mm-hmm. I participate in markets. The thing that dictates whether it's a black or a white market is if some jerk off wrote it down on a piece of paper. And I don't care about that jerk off. So I don't care if it's a black or a white market. I yeah. participate in markets and and whatever it is, is whatever some other bureaucrat decides doesn't matter. doesn't affect me yeah. in Carcadia because I'm a separate country. Yeah. Well, this, that is fair. this time period that I've, you know, just this year when I've kind of made that tra- transition, it was really an epiphany, another epiphany. My first epiphany was that a self-limiting government as a utopian fantasy that was like, I was like, oh, so like government's not possible. And then I write Hoppe. I was very excited to find that you don't need it anyway. But my, my new epiphany was, was that I, I was fully responsible for the fact that I was totally dependent on these, on the infrastructure of a state that I was actively I thought I was actively working against by asking them to restore the framework. Now, I did that because I was on the radio. So like when I had that epiphany and I went from just like, oh, this could never work. The American experiment cannot work. And then hop or whatever. Then someone asked me to do the radio show. I had no intention of it. I was getting my CFA. I wanted to be like a hedge fund manager. And I ended up doing the radio show. And it was impossible to connect to people by saying, this is totally hopeless, whatever. And then I had little kids. And I was like, you know what? Defending the Bill of Rights is not a bad thing to yeah. do. So I'm going to do it. And I did. And that does kind of circle around to the one remaining pillar that I have of all of this. But I but I realized that I I was making demands of a system that I had recognized was so inherently contradictory that it was not possible. So like that was me being 
just assuming that the you know the house of cards would stay together and i was wrong and i have absolutely no right not because i didn't build that road or i didn't pay my taxes or whatever but because i'm living in a fantasy world to think that the taxes and the roads and the regulated industry and all that kind of stuff is the right is a system that is going to ever preserve any of my rights mm-hmm. but as a matter of principle so I did come around this year and say, okay, I wanted to move to Austin. And then finally, like my husband and I were like, well, we just can't move to Austin. You've got to move to outside Austin or wherever. And we, I lived in Texas for a long time. He's from Texas. I got married at St. Mary's in Austin. And um, so he, he asked if we can stay at the Four Seasons when we go to Childerberg, uh, because that's where we spent, where we got married. So oh, I don't good. know if that I mean, yeah, it's no, it's like, I think it's like 40 minutes, 45 minutes to Austin proper from Muleshoe Bend. So it's right. not that far. I don't know if that's going to work unless we, oh. they have Ubers <laughs> going out there. But the, but the bottom line was wherever I was going to end up being, I, I decided you need to have like a rain barrel or water or whatever. But what you really need is to make sure you can defend, um, the rights in, you know, your, your, your rights to self-defense. Like you have to be able to defend the four corners of your property. Like the thing in Portland, people were saying, Oh, we should go help those people. Like we shouldn't help those people. They gave up their rights. They don't Mm -hmm. have their, their right to defend their own property because they gave it up. Like Mm -hmm. screw them. And so then they're all moving to places where you didn't give up your rights. But the point is that I would then feel like it was incumbent on me to, if you have to recognize the reality of the government around you, that they can at any time come storm your house, Waco style, and take your guns, like you probably have to be a member of the community in a way that you can, you know, talk to your neighbors. They know yeah. you're not a nut job. You just want to defend your property. But I feel like that there, that I, I tell me if I'm wrong, but I don't feel like there, I feel like that is a constraint. On, on your own ability to be totally independent, but it may be the only constraint. Well, and, and I think that's maybe that's also kind of something we've been talking about a little bit in the uh, intentional community stuff is that uh, there is a and, and I'm this way, too. There's there's this very independent spirit and, and to a large degree. I mean, that's what we're about. But you're not. Um, I mean, you are part of a of a greater system, whether you like it or not, like. And you do have control over your community. So over what community you're part of, I guess, would be a better way right. of saying it. That's, so that's the starting. Yeah, that's the starting point. And, and there's, you know, in this kind of investigation of how these intentional communities work, like I've come across a bunch of different ones. And some of them are like right in the middle of, a, of the suburbs or in um, fairly populous areas where people have split off and have designed their community in such a way where it is very integrated and connected and everybody knows what's going on. So like if somebody came into my neighborhood and, you know, arrested Charles down the street or whatever, I wouldn't know. Like I'd have no idea. But if you're in a community that is integrated enough where you're seeing each other on a daily basis or a weekly basis, at least just out, you're seeing each other um, at some point then people kind of notice like, I mean, you, uh, uh, bird, you probably have heard these types of stories. Like, uh, you- well, I was just thinking of like curious. Joel is a big one. Uh, you might know that if you're from Rockland County, not, I don't think it's too far. Curious. Joel is a total intentional community. It's all Orthodox Jews. They yeah. all decided yeah. one day we were just good. And I mean, you can't blame them taxes though. You know, 
Oh, really? That's are they the ones that were getting all the shit from? Yeah, but that wasn't why I was about to say. Yeah, because the way Bill de Blasio has been talking about Orthodox Jews, I can imagine that there's a Jewish flight in New York going on right now with the way that he's been speaking about. It's insane. Um, But yeah, those intentional communities exist even in New York. I mean, all you got to do is have a strong community and they'll move together somewhere. A lot of a lot of places like that, too. The police just don't police it. Dude, so, I'm, no, I mean, why would they need I, to? Yeah, I live. I live in one of those communities. I mean, yeah, yeah there you, you go. Yeah, and I need. To, I need. You need to come over, Jacob. But I, yeah. I live in one of those communities where I uh, people will ring my doorbell two times a day sometimes just to come by, say hi. Um, and now yeah. it's not. It's not bring you eggs and stuff. Yeah, no, you know, like, like, I, I, I have like roosters running around in the. Yeah, in that the, duck. How's that duck doing? It's a duck. I haven't seen the duck in a while, but I mean, <laughs> and part of Fort Worth proper too. I'm in is, Fort Worth. Pro- I can I can yeah. bike downtown, but my How? I live in the historic poor black community. But what happened was everybody walled them off for a long time, and then they became a really really strong community. Mm-hmm. And I'm like probably one of the only white people in here. See, that's what I think the like anti-racist thing is about breaking up those communities. Oh, dude. Yeah. I, I, I I, I talk with my next door neighbor. He's like 70. Grew up here before, you know, the drug war and all and, and, and everything. And that was like, you really get that vibe where they didn't, they weren't really all, that big on um integration they were like they had fubu was like a force thing you know they were dude, just like hey we I used through, to have I, our own we didn't have mcdonald's dude, we had I, my my neighborhood if i've thumbed through like i've gone through all the old papers online they've logged them all in like the library this neighborhood it's all burned out now there's no businesses they colluded all the big box stores colluded with the health departments and shut everything down and lined the outside of the community with big box uh stores yeah. but they had everything they had doctors yep. they had engineers yep. they had i think that's what that's, that's that's what they did oh, to build a barclay center in brooklyn yeah. they did the exact same but, thing but the community remains and i mean I, like you'll see people riding horses people will be out with guns like just carrying them over to their neighbor's house to go clean them like like it's it's a it's a madhouse in here and the police the police come the i mean a madhouse in the best way the police yeah. come in the police come in like every now and then to harass people about drugs. But other than that, they don't even police here. It's basically yes, all volunteer. So, yeah. you know, these autonomous zones, uh, Monica, that have been yeah. popping up. Um, all the lefties are like, oh, let's try one here. Let's try one. So there was Nyaz. I popped into that one one day. I, I, I liked it. It was fun. But uh, to speak t- further to this idea of uh, I like maybe we'll call them unintentional communities are pretty yeah. good, too. There's like autonomous Marxism would be like the thought process behind this. But there's lots of little groups. And I was telling um, Pete about this a couple months ago. And I recently popped into Williamsburg, one of my favorite places to go to in the city, because precisely what I'm about to say uh, there are, there is still what I would describe as a common going on right now in Williamsburg at this very moment in that there, there, I, there are no, I, when I went both times that I've been to Williamsburg, there are no police cars as I've seen, which is unusual for Williamsburg because it's a big money place. Um, there's people still furniture's out on the street. People are drinking pop, pop you know, drinking beers and smoking blunts on the street, uh, sitting in, uh, sofas that have been brought out from the inside. Uh, what this do you mean time, by big money place. Uh, well, big parents' money. All, a lot of kids come in. Uh, Williamsburg and is where a lot of rich kids. And they're, so they yes, a they're living protest? like they're but living they're like, like bohemians. Yes, they're <laughs> living like bohemian. Yes, they are. But it creates this opportunity for me to go there and do that too. And so 
there was a Super Smash Brothers Ultimate, a video game, fighting video game tournament that was held on the street. <laughs> on the street. And I don't, it definitely was not an official tournament, but I, there was a, like a, probably a 30 inch television and somebody it was had their tournament. Yeah. Somebody had their switch out and they had it plugged into the TV, which was plugged into something that was connected to somebody's <laughs> house. And they were, there was, a, I, I popped in a, and I was like, is are you guys like open to other people playing? Because I'm good at the game. Are you open to other people? They were like, yeah, yeah, come on, we'll play. So that literally would never have happened in any it's normal new chess table. We were in uh, like a, a lot that would normally have been blocked off, and so somebody cut the somebody must have cut it because this is it's right by the train station. So I've seen this a lot a million times. It's, and that's how I knew to go to this place. So there's on, on top of an, un, unintentional communities, intentional communities. There's also just communes. Like there's also just these weird little things in the one of the biggest cities in the world, one of the most regulated cities in the world. Uh, there's that popping up too. Yeah, you can, when you end up going home, obviously when you go home, you're back into the same old situation. But I mean, I know a lot of people who haven't been out of their house in several weeks. I'm sure they could use a common area like that to have a good time. Right. I'd yeah. say a failed digital version of that is the Nextdoor app. I've seen so much yeah. activity on that in the past year and it, it gets yes. real spammy. Yes, that's but right. I think, that it's, I think it is kind of what, what you're saying is that people who haven't been outside in a long time, they just decide to not and, you know, up, yes. up Colorado County, where I'm from in California, uh, it's shut down again. But after a couple of months, like the basically the entire town just went, okay, yeah, we're just not doing this anymore. And they and it's not a huge town. It's I think Placerville's maybe fifteen thousand people or something. It's not big, mm-hmm. but it's it's it used to be called Hangtown. It's like a tourist attraction for Gold Rush stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, they yeah, just all they it's a big Harley town, like working class mostly. I mean, they got a lot of people from the Bay Area moving up there now, but like the entire town just was just like. Yeah, we're just not doing this anymore. And the sheriff came out and he said, I'm not enforcing it. And uh, so all the restaurants opened up. People went back to work, started doing stuff again. And same thing up in uh, up in uh, Shasta County. A lot of the a lot of the communities up there in Shasta and a lot of Northern California, which is very libertarian area. Uh, or I wouldn't even say they're libertarian. They just are. They're mountain folk. They don't. They they don't. They're like Appalachian people. They just, was Lake Oconee in Georgia over the summer. There's people up there who had no idea what COVID was. They had never heard of it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, that's and that, and you see that too. Like in in places where people do have to rely on themselves and their immediate community more, you see that where they kind of just make a decision and they just are like, yeah, we're just not doing this. And even in places that are closer to the Bay Area, you've got uh, like village homes in uh, Davis. Uh, it's fairly close to the Bay Area. A lot of people that live there work in Silicon Valley or in, or in the San Francisco area. And um, this was a an intentional neighborhood set up in the 70s to be a permaculture neighborhood. And um, it's a lot of rich people who live there, but um, a lot of them just kind of just decided not to do does it. Does it have a lot of like fruit and nut bearing trees? They, it- they grow enough food without any sort of maintenance. They grow enough food in this neighborhood in Davis that they can supply 80% of their uh, nutritional wow. needs. And See, it's, it's, and it's a suburban it's neighborhood. Yeah. It, it's I, a suburban neighborhood too. It's, it's, it's wild. It, they, they do, they use a couple of techniques that make it a little bit different than most suburban neighborhood neighborhoods. So they do, it's called clustering. So they build the houses very, very close to each other in clusters throughout the suburbs. And then the rest of it is open space for fruit trees and perennials and things like that. You get your, you get you and your cluster, get a certain amount of property where you have first rights to the fruit. 
Um, and they just, they, but they grow so much that nobody ever fights over it. And feudalism. That's awesome. <laughs> kind of. Yeah. And then, um, in Italy, they, I remember yeah. my sister speaks Italian. It sounds like a, like a, like a kibbutz also like, uh-huh. some, like a put your work in, you get your first pick and then everybody else gets your picks. But the thing, what's great about it though, is that there's almost no work to do because uh, they, right. they actually, they were able to raise the water table in Davis, which is the central Valley. Huh. They were able to raise the water table under their property by six feet. How? And, and this is California where like the water table is just dropping all the time, but it's just because the they do, stuff? they do, they do good water management. They do the, um, the swales so that it, so when the water, and actually they redirect a lot of the street water into filtration systems and then put that back in the ground, but it's, they've never had to irrigate ever. Uh, they grow tons of food and it, and they don't, they don't even really have to do much maintenance on it. There's, it's really cool. See, I worry about places like that. I, I've noticed there was one place in Washington state, un, unrelated to that kind of thing, but mm-hmm. th- it would be even worse for them, where the sheriff said, I'm not enforcing the masks. And mm-hmm. they immediately gave that town national attention, and the Proud Boys held a maskless, in-your-face, overcrowded rally yeah. there. And I just, I feel like these places can so, unless they're, numerous enough unless people aren't going to piggyback off of other people's efforts something existing it has to be something that it'll just get overrun and destroyed and if not just by people wanting to gravitate there are a lot of forces out there that want to undermine these kind of things so i feel like it has to be there has to be a formula and is that what you were saying like you have to to be able to just start over right and that's 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 the goal that's the goal of the childerberg town right now is is the the end goal is to make someplace actually it's what uh the guy from the strong towns podcast talks about is a a good life and a prosperous place that's the that's the main goal the the secondary goal is to basically just put it formula i'm a software developer everything to me is is procedural so is the procedural process to make one of these things work and here it is on a you know to use the old media style or whatever here it is on a cd yeah. Pop it, pop it in the computer. It'll tell you what to do, at least in this place. There's going to be different laws for different places, but yeah. wherever we end up choosing, it'll be documented that this is how we do it. Um, there's a really good town I'm, I'm reading about in this book. It's, it's pretty cool. That's called uh, Experimental Americans. And uh, it's about um, they, they, they bill it as, as utopian movements. But one of the one of the movements they talk about this is a town in North Carolina called Silo. And uh, it was an intentional community set up in 1937, uh, and it is a corporation. So the the CELO Corporation, you you basically when you buy into that, uh, you are now part of the corporation. And instead of owning the land, you own a lifetime transferable lease on the property. Um, And so that's kind of how they organize it. So that's one way that we're looking at that that might work for us as well. Now, CeeLo is based off of, uh, of course, because I can't not bring it up in every single episode of anything I'm on. Uh, it's a Quaker model. So uh, <laughs> everything is done so uh, do the they, Quaker way. Is, so they pay their own tax, like they have their own taxes? No. So uh, Quakers, uh, everything is voluntary. So if uh, they, they do, the corporation pays the taxes, but it's it's taken out of the money that the corporation makes on the campground that is on the property. Ah, so, uh, so the people who have the property, they can contribute or whatever, but, um, it's, it's the corporate, the corporation pays the taxes and you buy the lease from the corporation. Ah. And that's, uh, built in. You can see other tax records online. They're a nonprofit, but they've been, they've been basically revenue neutral for their entire existence. 
Yeah, I've heard um, of a couple. I, I, maybe it's that one. Maybe it's another one I have heard. But do you remember when I talked to that guy, Bellamy Fitzpatrick? He's in upstate New York. He has a couple of acres. He's there with his woman. And over the summer when I was visiting my mother in Rockland, I drove up there. It's pretty far. It's up by like Vermont and Massachusetts, mm-hmm. New York, where they meet. But it was just the two of them. And they were growing all sorts of stuff. They were creating like a permaculture world yeah. for themselves, which they're like this. It's going to take years. You know, we can eat this stuff mm-hmm. now. We can eat the asparagus. And like, gee, I didn't know asparagus was a permaculture thing. Yeah. But they you know, they had terracing. They had wind barriers. You know, they anticipated that kind of stuff. And that was just two people on a couple mm-hmm. of acres. So yeah. I feel like and then his idea was he said that there's been plenty of insight into the ideal community size. And he said, really, you don't want to get more than 100, 150 people. But if that's what CELO's do, is. Yeah, yeah CELO is 100, 100 families. That's their model. Well, Hunters and gatherers like, traveled in yeah. packs uh, between 50 and 100. Yeah. That's another recommendation is that book Against the Grain, where he talked about, although I did try to get him on my show and he said no. <laughs> well, I mean, the, the problem is, is that when you get too big, I think, and, and this is one thing that, again, we've been talking about on uh, the California Next Style podcast a little bit, is when you get to the point where it's very easy to be anonymous in the community, that's when you start getting problems, I think, because yes, it, it, pulls, yeah, it pulls a little bit of responsibility off of yes. you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's what they said about that number. That's why it was the magic number because yeah. that's how many people you can keep track of. And it happens to right. be how many Christmas cards I send out. Yeah. And that's what he said is that, and his example was if Bill Gates lived in a community like that, he would just be a jerk and everyone would know it. Yeah. But he doesn't. He lives yeah. in a very different Walking kind of community. trying to vaccinate everybody. Yeah, and now right. he's the boss, you know? Yeah. So, yep. So that's that's my answer to how to how to live free in an unfree world. Yeah, <laughs> a lot of stuff awesome. that I, I hear about agorism, it, it's like hunters and gatherers. You go back, they they learned the kids learned by playing and learned by modeling themselves after what the adults did. And it, in effect, they learned the, the practical skills they needed to survive the hunting and gathering skills that yeah. they needed. And so anywhere they go, they could they could figure out the lay of the land and they could survive. And, and the more we moved into a to civilization and, and technology, the further away we got from that. Now people yeah, are you familiar it. with the Foxfire series of books? I feel like it was in, maybe it was, I'm not the Appalachians sure. Appalachians or I, I thought it was in the Carolinas. It's like 14 books and it, it was probably a hundred years ago. There were still so many people living in the mountains that oh, yeah. the person who did this project went and just found out everything from skin and squirrels to making baskets. Yeah. And I, I have oh, it. I nice. have Binkley sent me a book about that kind of stuff too. And I mean, what do I do? I collect books. I don't grow chickens, but you know, <laughs> well, well, <laughs> but it'd be I mean, like I think, the rolling papers. I'll just bring the books. Yeah, and yeah. You can let <laughs> me that, like that's a, that, that's the other thing. The other aesthetic thing about the agorism is like, for me, I kind of like my quality of life and oh, I don't yeah. want to go, like, I could go live completely free in the woods and way and, and decrease my, my quality of life. But there's a reason like from a market standpoint that we have a global division of labor um, and specialization. 
and you know the the ideas of relative and absolute advantage and all of this stuff that empowers this super high quality of life. All we have to do is just make sure that we align incentives for yeah. people to act more correctly. But That's I think right. that, that I think that we're at an intersection right now with 3D printing and and digital currency as well. Yeah. Is that these things are kind of lining up where what humans are evolved for, whatever everybody believes, what what the 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 optimal community size, the technology has gotten there for people to be able to return to that and still maintain a high standard of living, yeah, which exactly. I think they could have done for a long time. But I think that it is just so in our faces right now with mm-hmm. with, with in particular cryptocurrency and 3D printing and just how good I, when I first got in 2010 ish, when I first got involved in 3D printing, it was so difficult to do anything. And now like you can get it from Amazon for, and it was expensive too. Like my first 3d printer was like $1,600 and, uh, and I had to build it myself. And every single time you wanted to print something, you had to recalibrate it. It was a pain in the butt. Now it's like you, you get them self calibrating from Amazon. You can't really print like the most amazing things ever. But when you look at like the 3d printed guns and things like that, the people are doing online now, like it is, it's incredible. It's just, it's just, I'm just astonished by how quickly the technology's progressed. I don't print anything anymore, but when I first, I used to work, I used to do embedded uh, systems development and my boss, uh, the, f- the first like public open source model for a 3d printer was called a Mandela. And um, so we built one of those. And when we were done, we were like, what do we make? <laughs> and now, and we, we didn't know, like, we were like, Oh, we've done it. But like, now what? And, and, yeah. and at the time there was no thing There was none of these, none of these like shared files. We had to kind of make our own stuff. And uh, we never really made anything big. And then a couple of years later, I, I built yeah, another true. one. Yeah, I, I built another one a couple of years later, and I made like uh, clips for closing bags of chips and things like that, like, <laughs> oh, like, yeah. like knickknacks but, and things like that. Can but I nowadays, can I add on to you here? Yeah. Because there's one thing you missed, which I will always harp on, is the internet. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. That yeah. in in and of, I mean, if you slap on a, a VPN and you use a proxy browser, you can be undetected on the internet and get do anything you want. Yeah. Now, if you couple that with a service like the Pirate Bay, or let's say, well, any of the smaller torrenting sites, not only can you get anything you want, but now they've opened it up so that you can you can download 3D printing models. Yeah. So now yeah. you can ju- now there is an open library of free plates. You want to go get a plate? Don't pay yeah. Walmart. Just make a plate. Right. And, yeah. And don't they print biological tissue and and don't they use that in gene editing in some cases? Now, now they are. So. They're getting. They're like the uh, biohackers are starting to develop a lot of that oh. stuff. Where they this, um, this is the free. Yeah, biohacking would be the other thing we must talk about. Right. Yeah. That is another huge tool that we could eventually use. But all, yeah, well, before, I, before we get into that, I mean, all of this is to say, like, I think a lot of the agorist stuff, especially aesthetic is like, get away from people, get away from people. And it's like, I want to get yes. with people. No, people are, yes. pow- people are yes. powerful. Like people mm-hmm. are smart and capable. Yeah. As long as the incentives are aligned, I want to yeah. be around people. I want, the, I want so, to bring what I have to the table and use what they have. Uh, they're, they're bringing to the table to create something that's even better and improves my quality of life and their quality of life. I like being around people mm-hmm. most of the time. I mean, there's some mm-hmm. bad experience, but like, that reminds me a lot of uh, you guys remember a couple of years ago, Jeffrey Tucker gave that uh, talk that was uh, capitalism is love. I think is uh, that it, that, that it sounds familiar. Yeah, it was actually I thought very good. And he was it, it, he was basically countering the the narrative that capitalism is all about greed and stuff like that. And he's right. like, well, no, but I mean, if you think about it, this is the same thing is this is what people think of as capitalism is, you know, from the public schooling and stuff like that. But 
Um, and I know, Bird, you're not particularly keen on the capitalist thing, but like I don't we'll like the label. I feel yeah, like we'll just say markets. People. We'll just say markets. But people yeah, participating markets. in markets, yeah, markets inherently. Are yeah, exactly. It's community. It's cooperative. It, it, you have, and it's, and it's a evolutionary advantage too. It's, it's, you're going to be able to live longer and have the potential to have more kids if you're cooperative That's in right. a market space. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you're and in these like, if go, you go demonstrate for it, Mark, love, that's insurance. Yeah. Yes. Right. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. So that's why you do it. But let me ask, do you, I feel like there's a lot of empowerment and value in feeling like you could like go live in the woods if you had to. Sure. And that yes. otherwise yeah. there's this, that's why they have this level of terror working. And I feel mm-hmm. like it really yeah. wouldn't be that much of an investment for somebody to figure out just some of the basics just as a backup plan, another insurance yeah. policy. Well, and, yeah. and, but, and, but, and bushcraft craft is fun too. So like, yeah. I mean, but, you know, there's, there's, a, there's a significant amount of terror uh, of, seeing like a moose or a bear alone in the woods. So like, I mean, mm-hmm. you know, you're, to some degree, it might be a trade off of terror. Like, you know, you know, it's not like yeah. you just go off. Yeah, the yes. No, okay. but I mean, yeah. if you're empowered, if you know how to do yeah. stuff, it's much harder to fuck with a guy who was in combat and yeah, has right. his mm-hmm. gun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah, yeah, it's yeah, like, yeah, he's so. going to use a 3D printer because he wants a job and he's got a house, but yeah. he's the guy, you know, I'm not that guy and mm-hmm. I feel it. Yeah. I mean, I feel no, like you, Uber. To, like, to be a, to be empowered, you mean acquire knowledge, right? I mean, uh, knowledge and skills. Yes, ability. Yeah, self-empowerment. Right? The self-empowerment so slap on. The you have alternatives. Yeah. That's yes, I agree with you. So what so, we do is we slap on a VPN and we Google <laughs> library Genesis and you can download any published book probably yeah. that you can think of, including field manual. I got, in fact, I have six terabytes of saved documents that aren't books. They're just documents of how to survive, how to do this. Is there any get all of them? Kind of that too. So that um, not if you have really. a VPN. That's yeah, the thing. They can't EMP that into this existence. Nope. They can't oh, do yeah, a no, damn not thing. Really. Not a damn thing. Yeah, yeah probably not. Yeah, it's uh, so you you are today. Uh, we live in the freest world ever is the funniest thing. Um, and it's hard to see that because yeah. the technology that is the freest thing is still foreign to people. But uh, within five or 10 years, especially how long this thing goes on for. I mean, I talk about the Internet all the time and everything you can do on it all the time. That to me, I mean, that's our opportunity right there. there there's never been a time in history where you could simply go away and move into the woods with more convenience than you probably could today. Yeah. No joke. Especially with like the advent of like mesh networking that's coming yeah. up too. Yeah, wait. Oh, I was going to yeah, say, and, and Monica, yeah. I'm with you. The only thing that I would live in the woods in a cabin that nobody could get to, assuming you could lay uh, fiber wire uh, down for less than $1,200 a we, square foot. I, I firmly believe that we are on the precipice of aligning human incentives where the look, looking forward to a place where we are collaborative, but do have some sort of, you know, a little bit of independence as well is so much better than looking back. Like the, yeah. the you know, yes. between, between digital, saying. digital it's currencies with Bitcoin, doing. mesh networks. Yep. Uh, you have so uh, much, such uh, opportunity. Tor is uh, brilliant. Tor is crazy. I mean, the, the idea yep. of Tor is insane. Yes. Uh, and all of this, and it's also exp- 3D printing. It's expanding. The more people, that's the thing is like it's network effects. So the more people mm-hmm. that get in, the the faster the technology progresses. And then the more people that get in, it's a positive feedback loop. I mean, I, I, I have never been, I, I talk about this with Rolo a lot and Bird, but I, and, and Jacob, I, I've never been, I, I, 
feel so um, uh, privileged to be a libertarian in this time than 30 years ago. Yes. It's it's crazy. We have so much to look forward to. It's absolutely Mm -hmm. Well, wow, it's just, and I even even this. this is not oh, normal yeah. for us either. I don't know how this yeah, happened. This I mean, even, even cynical. A few yeah, things here that yeah, is weird. Shocking me, but I have no, one man. Final, you can say what you're going to say, and then I have one. Final I was going to say, I, I was going to say, like even the, the the liberty stuff aside, like we live in such a capital rich world yes. right now, oh, and holy. that in itself is just is is a privilege too. That yeah. it, it's very easy to focus on. The negatives and I do it a lot. Like I, I, you know, being in the liberty community, I think you get together and you complain about the feds like half the time, and like <laughs> yeah. that, and that's like that's that's your life or whatever. Yep, but yep. like think about too is that being able to get together, have a yep. cheap pizza, drink a bunch of cheap beers, and be under like a roof with electricity and stuff like that. Like this is a ridiculously Brilliant. capital intense world, and we're super super lucky to have been born into, even with all of the lockdowns and stuff like that, we're super lucky to have been born into to this world. Like yeah. you think, think yeah. back, like even, I think even, my son who has down syndrome and he could actually produce as much as he consumes. Yes. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and it, you guys have to go. I have to say one more thing. Oh yeah. I am going to count on the specialization of labor because yes. I have spent my entire life perfecting things like grilled cheeses. Oh yeah. And oh, yes. Whiskey sours. And I can't skin a squirrel. Yes. But if you guys can maintain a certain level of civilization, just stick me in the bar and yeah. we'll all be it's, it's my the, it's this gen of the rolling paper. Just every car has uh car has first dibs on the bar in Childerberg Town, but maybe they'll, they'll give you first dibs. <laughs> every yeah. New Yorker out of a every, bus and he put stuff in it. <laughs> I, would, I would advise heavily against uh any no, any further. As long as you want me to allow you into the bar. I, I was gonna I, say there might not be place for me in your world after all. <laughs> I, uh, I, I, my understudy. <laughs> every, every New Yorker who comes into this community of mostly people who are not from New York, <laughs> who actually have like survival skills. I've done the exact same thing, except not with bartending, but my skill, right. which would be talking and reading news and books and stuff. I remember distinctly that I said to Jacob, when you get this established, I have no skills, but I can run the radio station. Yeah, you, <laughs> you can be the good morning you, libertarian. Yes, someone who, or, or even better, who does? Who else wouldn't want to do this with me? The late night show. Hey, if yeah. you're up at three, we're three we'll have to have a zoo though. We're all yeah. vying for that job too. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you're right. God, Bird will all right, be guys, I'm going to wish you a happy, a happy holiday <laughs> and a very. Uh, free in your heart, soul, and your world holiday season. I love it. I cannot believe that you guys got me out of my cynical downward spiral. Oh yeah, and uh, yeah. and I have more hope than I have had since this thing began. Wow, it's nice to talk to libertarians that aren't in despair. Oh no, no. <laughs> we goof off too much. Yeah, right. Yeah. So we have to end right now before we go. <laughs> <laughs> Like, oh, did you hear about this? <laughs> so thanks, guys. Until next time. Yeah. Well, thanks for, thanks for having us. Oh, Monica. Thank thanks, you. Leo.